Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Thanks for joining me. And I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all. And I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. Now, to accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. Now, the catch is, I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, I've learned that it is easy to like something, as long as I had an excited person explaining why their thing was great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. And for today's episode, we have a new pod friend, Kennedy Phillips, sound designer of Has-Been Hotel and Hell of a Boss and creator of the audio drama, Magus Elgar. Kennedy, how's it going? I have been sequestered behind these four walls for over eight months, desperate for some kind of <laughs> contact. And now that I have been presented with the opportunity, I'm eager to share something that I like in the hopes that someone will acknowledge my existence. After all, the voices that I've been befriending over the past few days have... Uh, not always been the most social. <laughs> we're off to we're off to a cracking start. For one, one of them has been complaining I haven't done dishes yet. <laughs> <laughs> I it is something they don't tell you about being an adult is that like dishes you just do them, and then you never you never stop doing dishes ever. They just they just forever. Same thing with laundry. Uh, my dad used to, he, he used to buy a new pack of socks, like one of those big jumbo Costco sized pack of socks, just so he didn't have, he always had a fresh pair of socks because he hated wearing socks that were, went through the laundry. Never knew why it was the weirdest thing. And we had in our house. I mean, my, my reasoning is I would always lose my socks. Right. (laughs) I prefer (laughs) sandals because of that reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wear slip-ons almost, almost exclusively. Same here too. And you're a California guy, so you you understand. You understand. In in fairness, I was not yeah. always a California guy. I was a Floridian, oh. where most of my foot attire was sandals, mostly because right. I spent a lot of time on sailing vessels, uh-huh. and you know, either sandals or barefoot or deck shoes. That was what you had. If you had socks, it was getting soaked in salt water, and that felt gross for a while. Uh, it, it took us longer than I thought to, because tr- I have two daughters, uh, to to have them uh, learn to tie their shoes. Not because we didn't think it was important, but just that like we were always not in shoes that had uh, laces. Like you just either in sandals or slip-ons or something quick. So after a while, we're just like, wait a second, me and my, my wife and I, I don't think, do they know how to tie their shoes? And and, 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 and we look down at our shoes, neither of them have laces in them. So we just, <laughs> we took it, they know now, obviously, but like it took us longer than we did, than we thought we should have. In all fairness, you, you don't really know the gaps in the lessons that you're teaching your kids until you come across them. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, about your audio drama? Uh, sure. I suppose what would probably be a good start um, might be to tell you about my thing. 
because mm. uh, that kind of leads. I into like it, that. I if like you that. Would permit me to. Yeah. So okay, you know what? I like a guest that knows what they want. This makes me really happy. So here we go. So Kennedy, what is your thing? So my thing happens to be. sound now that might not seem like a, a a big thing but sound of all kinds is something that i find utterly fascinating i think every person has one particular sense that they put their most focus on for for most people it's sight like when you walk into a room usually what the first question you get is what is the first thing you see and then you rattle down the list, like, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you taste? What do you touch? What, what's that smell? Uh, for me, the first question has always been, what do you hear? Mm -hmm. Because nothing, in my opinion, fires off more of the imagination out of the five senses than sound. Because sound is such a subjective sense. When you look at uh, a picture, you can usually get, most people can get the same conclusions with color unless they're colorblind or have something going on. But with audio, everybody has a different interpretation. Everybody has a different idea of what things sound like. Uh, the reason why I'm so excited about this was when I was really young. Um, I was like four or five years old and I went to a Montessori school. Um, if you're not familiar with Montessori, uh, their, their method of teaching is put a kid in a room with a bunch of stuff and right. whatever they end up finding in the room that, that appeals to them the most, teach them about that and kind of work your way back from there. So your level of reading can be like, well, they're not too interested in reading, so they'll read Hop on Pop, or you'll be like me, who's really fascinated with reading and was reading The Hobbit. <laughs> right. There was a room in my classroom that was a large fridge cardboard box that was decorated with glow-in-the-dark stars. I think you know what the kind were. The ones that you'd like right. put little putty and put them on the walls and they would <laughs> right, hold right, right. their glow for a grand total of like 15 minutes. <laughs> you and gotta put them in the sun though. You gotta, you gotta supercharge them. And a, <laughs> yeah, but it's in, this was indoors and, and yeah. uh, there was a curtain full of uh, stars and it was like a he it felt like a heavy plush blanket and i pushed it aside and i stepped in and the room the cardboard box was full of these glow in the dark stars there was no light and the only thing that was in this this little box was a tape player you press the tape player and it sends you off on a journey where you start to hear the sound of mission control doing their countdown and then oh love it the yes. big rumble and uh, uh the teacher outside would shake the box a little oh. bit as it as it starts to go up into space fantastic and sound has always been such a special aspect of my life because it allows me to set fire to my imagination in ways that visuals don't always do mm -hmm. I, i've always actually expressed that when it comes to audio it's the closest thing we can get to reading a book 
mm. without it actually being the process of reading. The reason why is because um, of a, uh, I, I can draw this back to a conversation I had with my father when I was really young. It was around the time when Lord of the Rings was about to come out. My father had expressed apprehension about going to watch it. Now, the concept of that seemed absurd to me at the time because, well, this is like the the best looking movie that's coming out and it's of a, <laughs> a beloved franchise. Right. Why wouldn't you want to go see this? And my dad's explanation was, I have an image in my head right. of what the characters look like, of what they sound like. I know what Helm's Deep looks like in my head and it's not going to be the same as what the movie presents. However, if you only heard an audio-only production of something like that, with all the descriptions and sound effects and design going by it, right, right. you can still picture those things in your head mm-hmm. without having your own interpretation get contaminated. It's as much a collaborative totally. experience if you're listening to an audio-only product, audio production. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to what eventually became Magus Elgar. My talents have always been in storytelling, post-production, and sound design. I'm really good at making sound uh, sound effects and, and banging pots together and doing the twangs and the plucks and the booms that make you feel like you're somewhere else. Because I never disconnected that that childlike wonder with sound. Magus Elgar is a audio-only production about two magicians and two scientists working together to fix magical anomalies they accidentally caused, which are in the form of scientific tools that have taken on magical properties. In, In the story, there are two dimensions. There's Earth, which is dominated by science, and Hearth, which is dominated by magic. And these scientific tools like thermom- uh, thermometers, uh, thermometers, uh, spectrometers, um, even a tuning fork or uh, a scalpel, when they go to the magical world, the laws of magic, which we call the elements, don't know how to interpret them. So they just kind of make up stuff and it starts causing fractures in reality. So we follow uh, Magus Elgar, his apprentice Udo, Dr. Graw Horatio, and his uh, eccentric and gleefully villainous uh, assistant, Kaylee Fawn, to (laughs) go and find these uh, scientific tools augmented with magical power, or stamps as we call them, for they are the Magical Anomaly Interdimensional Locators, or male for short. Um... (laughs) (laughs) That's clever. That's clever. So I want to back up just a smidge. Um, So your thing is is sound design. Like sound, sound of course, is, I mean, huge fan. Big, big fan, obviously, as a podcaster. Like, I I could not agree with you more about, like, one of those those age-old things. Like, if you had to have only one of your senses, like, what would you choose? And like, for me, it's always going to be sound. I want to be able to, I want to be able to hear. So I a hundred, a hundred percent agree with you just on its importance and how much I just love it. And it's so funny that you bring up the Hobbit and, and Lord of the Rings. Uh, My, my daughter, her current book right now is the Hobbit. It's, which is just a great, great thing for me right now to like, 
leader into. It's been such a blast. Lord of the Rings, I do remember when the movie came out. It was a thing for me and my brother because it's such a beloved uh, a beloved books series for us. Like We've read everything that Tolkien has ever written. That we almost, same thing, we almost didn't go see the movie because we had that same thought for us is that it was... It's like, it's, it, will it live up to what we have in our heads? Luckily it did. I, I absolutely love it. I think they did a fantastic job. For me, in terms of like the, the great literary giants, uh, I think everybody's got like one fantasy author that is their defining uh, right. literary uh, focus that helps define a lot of what their tastes are, what their development is. And I would say uh, mine came very late. I, I didn't discover him until I was in college. I mean, oh, there were still plenty of stories and, and the like that I really enjoyed, but what, of course. Of what course. really set fire to my imagination with this author was the way that they interpreted the world and how very easily they translated into audio. Right. Right, yeah. Um, and that author was Terry Pratchett, uh, who, if you're not familiar with, was the author of Discworld. I have tried starting, I've, I've read uh, The Color of Magic was the first one. That, that's the first one, like, canonically, mm -hmm. right? And I, I think that was the only one that I've read. And I don't know why I haven't read it, because I'm a big fan, and always have been, of Neil Gaiman, and they had a, a, a long friendship until Terry's passing. And... Neil speaks so highly of him and his work. And they wrote um, Good Omens together, too. Uh, Good Omens but, together. And their, their yeah, collaboration they, they did that recently came out on Amazon was stellar. Yeah, so I miss, good. I, I will confess, I miss I miss the octopus scene. They they got rid of it for the for uh -huh. the theatric for the the Amazon version. That was very disappointing right. to me because yeah, that was one of my, that was a really fun scene. When you talk about saying that like sound design, like what is your so when you're creating something like an audio something in the audio format like Magus Elgar, how are you creating the sounds? Are you doing full foley work when you do that or or like, how is that? What's your process when you're creating something like that? It actually really depends on the production. I mean, there, there's okay. plenty of times when I don't, uh, the, I'll, I'll come in and be like, I'm ready to like transform this entire universe into something <laughs> that you could recognize from audio. And the director's like, yeah, we have like three days. Uh, so do, do what you can with that. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I hear oh. you. I suppose I can dial it back a bit. <laughs> so what was like your first foray into this? Like, how did it start to become your job? So the next, I challenge to the listeners and to yourself that the next time you watch a film, okay, I want you to pay attention to sound effects and design and the audioscape that make you go, that is from this movie. Um, oh. A great movie to start with this is obviously Star Wars because right. there are so many iconic sound effects in Star Wars that you can immediately identify and immediately recognize. Right. Nearly every single sound effect in Star Wars is something you can immediately pick piece together with. Right. But a more interesting challenge, I would say, would be Scott Pilgrim versus the World. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, if you're not familiar with this movie, uh, Scott Pilgrim no, big fan. is based off of a graphic novel about a guy going through a breakup and then meeting somebody new who has a bunch of uh, exes 
that he must do battle with in order to win the right to date her. Now, Ramona. what's interesting is that yeah. Edgar Wright has always paid specific attention to audio. Almost all of his productions, there is a very specific rhythm and tempo to the way he introduces his sounds and sound effects. Right. Where even like as you're as like the characters are are talking to each other, like even in the first scene of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, there's a character in there playing Legend of Zelda, and they're using the Legend of Zelda sound effects to punctuate everything they're saying. Oh. Like uh like at one point where they say, uh, like where Scott says, "Oh yeah, I I just found a new uh, girlfriend," and then you hear the sound of da 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 da, like they just <laughs> discovered something. That's so perfect. That's it's so these perfect. tiny little touches that help engross you into the experience in ways that you don't even think about. Um, mm -hmm. But it it goes even beyond that, where it's just stuff that's trying to grab your attention. There's a lot of productions where they try to not grab your attention that gives its effect in terms of audio. I want to provide two examples before I start going into my own stuff um, because I, I love these two examples so much. The first is, I think everybody who was around when this movie came out was probably <laughs> tired of it by now. Do you ever hear of the movie Paranormal Activity? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's so there's so much silence in that movie that it's that it's but here's the thing there's silence but it's not actually silence really that's the okay. thing that i find so fascinating about that film i did an entire uh, my, my entire thesis was about the absence of sound existing as a character in that movie so in the, i don't i don't i'm not going to talk about the the sequels because i i haven't really seen them <laughs> no but the it's first fun, yeah. is a master class in in subtle sound design where I got to see this in theaters, and I, I highly, highly recommend you watch this movie either in a movie theater or with a really good sound system. Okay. Because if you don't, you miss half the film. Really? Okay. Like, I, if you try watching this film through a phone, I it's just it's you can't. It's not <laughs> it's not great with if you just watch it through a phone. But a, a particular scene that I'm gonna uh, that I draw attention to, which they use consistently throughout the entire film, is when they have the entity show up. Right. They close the door, and time goes on. Like they they do the time lapse or the, whatever. The time lapse, yeah. Where something significant happens. Now, I actually got to break this down with a spectrograph oh. uh, while I was in school for to to better understand it and better see it. So like I got to watch the waveforms of this going on. And it's a 5.1 mix. So uh, for those of you who don't know what 5.1 means, it means there are five speakers and one subwoofer. So center, left, right, left surround, right surround, subwoofer. And subwoofers for bass, the Subwoofers right? where the 0.1 comes in. Okay. The subwoofer is for vibration. Oh, where, okay. Um, so when I'm watching... When the when the ghost the spooky ghost comes in, mm -hmm. there's nothing going on in the left channel, nothing going on the right channel, nothing in the center, the back of the back, but the subwoofer is going crazy. Really, it looks Ooh, like I got, an I got earthquake. Chills. I got chills. The entire chills. room yeah. vibrates. Right. Okay. And you feel it in your chest, and it's not a sound you can hear; it's a sound you. Feel, and that vibration is an indication something is wrong. 
It's the sound that animals sense and say, I need to go. It, it triggers that flight response. It holds for like a good 15 seconds and you're sitting there feeling your nails dig into your armrest as this vibration Ooh. gets louder and louder. Something yeah. is going to happen. Something is going to attack and it does not like you and cares not for your mortal affairs. <laughs> and then a door creaks open three inches. Ugh. Ah. And that's you're killing it. Me. Yeah, you're killing me. It's so spooky, man. Yeah, Fanta it was spooky. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like it's it's such a small touch. Where but it's a lot of tension for very little payoff, but it and it it uh, acclimatizes you to what you should be expecting, that immense feeling of tension. And then something tiny happens that you could see visually and you go, <gasps> yeah. or something along the lines of that. I'm, I'm being high. I'm, I'm speaking in hyperbole no. ever so slightly. Yeah. You're uh, excited, man. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the excitement. It makes me, it makes me happy. And very interesting that you say star Wars. Cause of course we know the, the, the Darth Vader breathing, the sound of a lightsaber, yeah, all that. You know what's the first one that comes to mind is is actually is, is in the movie Aliens. And I was thinking about their uh, their motion tracker, how it's it's the, that that that, yes. that that slight click, that slight beep, that's just slightly faster than a than a normal resting heartbeat as it gets closer. Yeah, as it gets closer, and the tension, and that you know, you just kind of hear that click that beat just kind of in the background and it creates such tension with just we're just talking just a sound but that was the first thing that popped into my head because it's something my wife always points out whenever we watch that movie it's brilliant it is brilliant the second thing that i want to draw that, that i want to cite um is probably my favorite sound effect of all time okay i'm so excited it's this is exciting. not a very well-known sound it's not a very well-known sound effect but i actually have it as my ringtone <laughs> uh, for when somebody texts me. Okay. It's from a uh, a film back in 2008 called Sunshine. Okay, I don't know that one. Okay, Sunshine. Out. Sunshine is a sci-fi movie about... Uh, it, it sounds terrible on paper, but it's actually exceptionally <laughs> wonderful. The, the premise of this is the... I'm just going to... You know, I'm going to go into trailer voice because this sounds ridiculous it. when I describe it. Go for it. In a world where the entire sun has stopped functioning, the only way to restart the sun before it dies out entirely is to reset it with a stellar bomb. A bomb with all of Earth's known physical materials that can set off a nuclear explosion several times over to restart the sun. Six intrepid spacefarers <laughs> must now travel to the sun and restart it before Earth freezes over. Coming this summer, <laughs> two thousand eight. I just looked. I had I, to look at the It sounds movie. absurd. Yeah, I just looked at this movie, and it's, it it's sounds absurd. Fantastic, it's got a fantastic cast. Great cast. Yeah, like it's it, it takes it straight face. Like it takes it as no. seriously as possible as like a legit sci-fi akin to two thousand one, a space odyssey. Like it, it really respects the 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 what the premise of what they're doing up until like the last 20 minutes but that's a different to topic entirely <laughs> but the the sound design in the movie is something i find really fascinating and it's there's one specific sound that i want to draw attention to and i'm going to play it for you okay i'm so excited 
it has a sonar quality to it. What I love about this sound is that it is, it's very clear. You, you can very clearly identify what it is, but it tells so much more through the sound, the textures of its sound quality. Yes, it's a sonar, but it, it sounds lonely. It sounds distant. Mm -hmm. It sounds borderline alien. And what it is in the movie, it, what it is in the movie is it's a distress beacon. Oh. But it's a distress beacon told through a stellar phenomena, reflecting off of planets and reflecting off of stardust where one of the characters, his entire purpose is he's just listening to the, the background noise of planets and stars and stellar phenomena. Um, if you actually listen on NASA's official website, they have recordings of what Saturn sounds like and what Jupiter sounds like. Mm -hmm. Space is not silent. Right. It's just the sounds that carry are, are beyond human hearing sometimes. Yeah. And I find that sound so fascinating because that is not a sound that was created naturally. It was something that someone had to sit down and design and add the right. textures and features to. Every step from the way that it comes in to the way it echoes away. I love it so much. So much thought goes into some of the most recognizable sounds you've ever heard in, in television, in cinema, and even in real life. I, I was, it's so interesting to say, because I know that just with, you know, us landing on Mars, and then there was something so interesting. It's when someone said, oh, Mars hums. And I found that to be so just like oddly comforting that there's just something going, uh, you know, because like, I don't like silence. I, I, and I know that I, you're a kindred spirit in that. You don't like silence either. And so anyway, just to know that it's not just dead quiet. What are some of the the movies when you were growing up that kind of, what are some other ones that when you were growing up that kind of like sparked your interest in what eventually became this, uh, this thing that you were, that you did? Cartoons. Cartoons. There you go. <laughs> there the, you go. The big yeah. thing about cartoons is that there is a, there's a language that's going on underneath a cartoon. Everybody usually thinks of like, oh, well, wacky sounds. That's just typical of a cartoon. But no, it, it's actually helping telegraph certain emotional aspects to it. When you think about Tom and Jerry, think about the sounds that they make when they get hit or when right. Tom screams mm -hmm. or when somebody drops a, a, a iron an iron on someone. Right. And you get a laugh out of it because... The, the the slapstick sound effects really add to the humor. Right. Now, I want you to imagine one of those cartoons. Like, imagine a, car uh, a Tom and Jerry cartoon where all of the sound effects has been replaced with hyper-realistic foley. Like, actual <laughs> bone crunches, actual, like, right. gore. Act like, the kinds uh -huh. of sounds that you would hear if somebody was actually in pain and being hurt. Right. You would inst instead of you laughing at Tom, you probably feel bad for him. Right. I I think it's similar to like how uh, my favorite punch noise is the Indiana Jones punch, where they're hitting they're hitting uh, it's celery, right? Isn't that what they're hitting with a with like a broomstick? The celery is bones breaking, but it's it's usually they're taking a broomstick to like a leather jacket or like a pig uh, or like a pig hide. Okay. 
I like that's always my favorite punch. That's not how a punch sounds. A punch is is wet. No. And yeah, and slappy. It's not a good well, sound. It's, it's, no, it's not even like yeah. a pu- a punch is just like a really pathetic, dull sounding yeah. thunk. Yeah. Like just a slap. It's but just I skin hear, on skin. Right. I want to hear that. I want to hear that celery crunch <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. No, you're right. You want to hear the exciting part of it because you see when it comes to that kind of sound design, you're not thinking about how it actually sounds you're thinking about how you want to feel when you hear it right okay what it is is that it's an emotionally charged exaggeration of what you're going through so how did that translate into uh has-been hotel and hell of a boss like how did that so like did that just kind of come naturally or did you work for that or were you sought out how did that work out has-been hotel happened almost happened completely by accident to be honest. Um, okay. I was working on a animated version of Magus Elgar, which is available on YouTube if you want to watch those two, by the way, if you just oh, do you a go. search for Magus Elgar. But um, while I was working on it, I happened to be working with uh, three animators that were working on Hasbin Hotel at the time. I was very excited to have them. It was around that time that I had asked them, hey, do you, how are you guys doing with sound? And they go, well, we've got a composer who's doing the sound design, but she's really focused on doing the music. And I go... I mean, I, I, I could help if you want me to. I mean, no pressure or anything <laughs> like that. And they went and approached her and they say, hey, we got a sound designer. And she's like, great. He's hired. There you go. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> With this production, I've been watching Hasbin Hotel for about a year. And all the trailers and all the previews that I've been seeing with it were, oh, they were so interesting because it was a fully animated production with quality I don't even see in full productions from Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network, but it was for adult humor. And I wanted to give it the the sound design that it deserved. So when they sat me down, they said, we're going to give you a month to work on this, this half hour production. And I wanted to give it every single iota of my skills. So I, I broke it down much deeper than the most animations usually end up doing where I was giving uh, acoustic signatures for each individual character I had. Interesting. I had sound design going almost every frame, which I will confess was a little much, (laughs) but every character had their own gamut of sound effects that defined who they were. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with Hasbin Hotel, uh, it is about a Disney princess who is trying to rehabilitate sinners in hell. (laughs) <laughs> that is the log line. <laughs> and Hell of a Boss is its uh, companion piece, which is about a bunch of imps who run a business where they take contracts from sinners who recently died wanting to get revenge on people in the living world. And they go up there and kill them. It's not actually about a Disney princess, but it's about like the, the basically the princess of, of right. Hell who's <laughs> always lived there and wants to rehabilitate sinners to deal with their crippling overpopulation problem. (laughs) It's a fascinating world where all these characters have such interesting designs and features to them. And it's very larger than life. It's very cartoon. Whereas uh, another character in there is um, uh, Serpentius, who is a uh, snake with a top hat that flies around in a giant airship and has a bunch of eggs as his minions. Uh, (laughs) And all of his sound effects are like our snakes, uh, rattling noises and steampunk sounds. So, um, whenever you hear a specific character on screen, 
you know who it is, even if they're off screen. One of the biggest examples of this was a character named Alistair, who is a known as the Radio Dean, where all of his sound design revolves around uh, radio sound effects, canned laughter, and uh, when he's actually starting to get a little more serious, the cries of elk and deer. Oh, which yeah. speak a lot about him as a character, right. about how he presents himself, how he carries himself. And every character had this kind of thought process when I went into it. I also did 90% uh, of the production with Foley in mind. So I okay. went and actually like hand record, like I recorded every single sound effect that is in that wow. pilot. Wow, that's amazing. Whereas a lot of cartoons, they'll, they'll use stock sounds and I, I understand why you've, you've totally. got a tight, you've got usually one, you've got a tight budget and two, you've got a tight schedule. Right. So going and like doing Foley for everything is a bit of a luxury for some things. So when you go out to collect these sounds and like how how much you have to record until you feel <laughs> okay I'm laughing because he just pulled in the biggest microphone like it, it is it is it is huge this microphone I'm sorry I wish I could share my screen with everybody right now I'm gonna have to you're gonna have to send me a picture of this thing so I can post it for people to see this thing. Looks. That's fine. Uh, this yeah, is it's huge. This is actually not the biggest one I've ever seen. This is actually <laughs> quite average. Uh, this... <laughs> it's massive. This thing is huge. Right? It seems massive, but let me explain yeah. to you. Uh, this is a this is a boom mic. This okay, is the kind yes. of mic that they usually have on set. Now, right. the reason why it's so big is that of because of the covering, which we call uh -huh. a blimp. Um, which I can provide for you right now of what it actually looks like inside. And I slip this thing yeah. off, and there oh, it is. Okay. It's it's just hey, a that's my mic. Microphone. Yeah, it's more reasonable. Yes. Yeah. But the reason why I have this big microphone here is to protect it from wind and people bumping right. into it, and all sorts of nastiness that prevent the sound quality from being maintained. I mean, that's the mic I own. So the reason why I presented this to you right now is because you're about to say, well, like, how do you, how do you get these, go about going, getting these right now? There's two ways to do it. One is there is something called a Foley stage, which is a sound recording stage complete with different types of surfaces, different types of uh, floors and props that you go to, to record and make those noises. In fact, I have like props really close to my, my desk here because I do fully here sometimes because I've, I've treated okay. my space reasonably enough to do that kind of thing. So like a lot of times when you're making those sounds, like say somebody's brandishing a handgun. I don't own a handgun. I don't have one on my person, but I have here this doorknob that I purchased for the sole purpose of making it sound like a handgun. So if I need somebody shaking around their gun, their, their gun, I usually just do kind of close. It really comes down to I, the performance. But right. if I'm shaking this around, I, you can't really, t it's hard to tell the difference. I, I will, I will tell you right now, everybody, cause I can see them. It is just a doorknob. So, but it sounds like a, like a gun. Yeah. It's, it, it's just uh, all the pieces and mechanics of a doorknob where like if I'm, tw I could, you know, right. I can do so much with this just by how much I move it around and, and direct it. 
But sometimes you want to get sound effects out in the field, which is what that boom mic is for. Okay. Also, they use boom mics for on-set recording, like if they're talking in a room that doesn't have, you know, these fancy microphones that us podcast radio studio people have the luxury of directing with. (laughs) Right. They they use those out in the field. What what's something else? uh, Because now now I just I don't want this to turn into a list, but I almost now I kind of do. What's something that sounds like one thing but is made by another so like like this like you have a handgun is a is a door handle let's go with uh two of the basics okay grass and snow grass and now those are really common things you would want to you'd you'd hear in shows because you know people are walking on grass and snow and like 70% 70% of our jobs in film for sound design is recording footsteps. Really? They're sounds that you don't need, but right. you feel when they're missing. Right. Yeah. So we have to record every single one of them because on a film, you don't record. You're not recording the footsteps. You're recording them talking because right. the part yeah. of the movie that's interesting is the talky <laughs> parts, not the walking right. parts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so a lot of times we don't have grass on set or we don't, we don't have grass in the, in the Foley stage. We don't have uh, snow on the Foley stage. So what we do is we create simulacrums of said things. And something that's fascinating for grass is dried, is like dry film tape, like dry, dry film reels and stuff like, like nitrate tape and the like. Uh, some people have used uh, little flecks of tinfoil or just like detritus, like hay. And they would like oh. set it on the floor and they would walk along it on a dirt pit to get that sound. And depending on the type of, of grass that you'd be having, like if you want like thicker, deep pile grass, you'd use more of that of that stuff to right. walk on top of it. And if you, had, uh, if you had more patchier grass or something that was freshly mowed, you'd probably use less grass and, and do it in the dirt pile. Okay. And you'd just be walking in place. Walking on the... Yeah. Okay. Uh, for snow, I've, I've heard a lot of people use a bunch of different things. I've heard people use uh, baking soda. I've wow. heard people use cornmeal. I've actually heard one person get away with uh, using a leather jacket once or twice. When oh. they didn't have cornmeal or, or anything <laughs> by there. It didn't sound great. Yeah. But it was just enough. If you, if you played around with the mixing, like made it really quiet enough... Uh-huh. It's hard to tell. Wow. Get See, away okay. There you go. That's so interesting. The first time I remember watching anything on sound design was I was watching a documentary on how they made the the dinosaur noises on Jurassic Park. Like what animals they mixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like how they mixed. Uh, yeah. They mixed like different animals oh, yeah. to try and make that. Yeah. And like how much work they had. Yeah, to like do. the sound, the sound of the uh, the the sound of the Velociraptor is actually like the sound of a tortoise. And then I, I remember it was like a pig, and then I or something or a seal or and then like I think I remember like the the T Rex is like it's like an elephant and uh like and an elephant seal. Anyway, I just remember that. 
Um, so when you were getting mm. the character, uh, you said of Alistair, he has the, the elk noises. Did you go into the, the forest and try and find these animals or was that something else? Like oh, you goodness, said, no, like, I, yeah, I, I was about I, to say, cause that's hardcore. Part of my job is having access to many sound effects as I can get my hands on. And there are, there are lots of sounds that I had not even considered what they would sound like. Things that you never in a million years would imagine how they would sound, you end up going, well, nuts, I'll take that. <laughs> so I actually did, like, I, I have about like eight to 12 terabytes of sound effects in my Whoa, sound library. That's amazing. That's actually, that's incredible. Sometimes you have to do that. Like sometimes you need to just like look and, and search through your own sound library to find these kinds of things. Um, case in point, I, I got to work on uh, another production made by Vivian Medrano, who was the creator of uh, Hell of a Boss and uh, Hasbin Hotel, uh, called Zoophobia, which is based off of her webcomic. Uh, it's a cute little short that is actually for kids, so you can let your kids see this. Um, there's a specific sound effect that I want to draw attention to that I'm very proud of finding. There is a sound effect, a bird. That is the loudest sounding bird in the world. <laughs> and the bird is not very big. This bird ha uh, has a call that can shatter your eardrums. Whoa. If you hear it too closely. And it does not sound like a bird at all. It, it, sounds, it sounds more like a fire alarm. Whoa. What's it called? What's the bird called? It's... His name is the white. It's the it is the white bellbird, and I use it uh, as my uh, classroom bell in this no. high school that they're at. That's amazing. Oh, that's that's so good. <laughs> if you look it up, if you look up white bellbird, the loudest sounding bird in the world, it does not sound like you think it sounds, and it is. It has a louder decibel range than a uh -huh. jackhammer. Whoa. Okay, so so listeners, I will include I will include that and anything else he sends me in the show notes. So don't worry, like they are there. He's gonna send me a picture of this boom mic, this massive mic that he has. I don't want you to miss out on the things that I just got to get to listen to. <laughs> but yes, so many sounds are things that you never imagine that they would be. Um I have one that I can present to you and play for you right now, if you'd like me to. This here is a meditation bowl. Yeah. Now, what I like about this meditation bowl is specifically, this is probably the loudest one I've been able to find. Okay. Now, there's a lot of things about it that I can do to emulate certain sounds, like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a ceramic and it's got like a little ringing sound when I hit it. Right. It's a nice sound. Like normally you're Lovely. meant to just tap it. That's it. Right. But if you do the effect that you normally do when you are playing with um, crystal right. glasses, you know, uh -huh. like when you pour glass and you stroke your finger around the rim and it creates this ringing sound. If I do that with this. Yeah. Ooh. It doesn't sound like something you'd normally expect something like this to make. Right. But part of the wonders of audio is you can discover things that don't sound like anything you've ever heard before. And those unique sounds are what make some of our films. Yeah. And they make them it's truly so memorable. But you can find these sounds anywhere you go. 
The next time you go to the park, pay attention to how the water's rippling on the lake or how mm -hmm. birds are, are chirping at each other or even how the birds walking on the grass. There's a lot of beautiful sounding things out there and there are white billbirds. <laughs> <laughs> this episode may be coming to an end, but the work is just beginning. Uh, Kennedy has told us, gosh, just given us a wealth of knowledge and things to think about throughout this week. So, uh, me and Elise will be coming back with a response edition. Actually, honestly, we'll probably watch Sunshine and a few more movies. Uh, Kenny, I'd love it if you could maybe email uh, me a list of movies that you think would really stand out um, in those type of sound design um, things. I think that would be a really cool way I would to love or, or to shows. Yeah. And of course, I will be checking out uh, Magus Elgar and I'll be checking out Hell of a Boss has been hotel just to see uh your work in action i think that that's going to be a lot of fun um and so we'll come back on the response edition and tell you how it went in the meantime i hope you'll try and uh and listen no pun intended to kennedy's advice and just kind of pay attention to the different things that are around you <laughs> now you can follow us on twitter or instagram at like two that's the number two like two like things you can also leave a message on the like line at 661-279-0130 or email us at I like to like things podcast at gmail.com. Uh, now, we also always like to say uh, during this time that we hate, the only thing that we really don't, don't like is uh, toxic fandom. So if you um, are not a fan of this thing, which if you listen to a podcast, we know you like sound. So I don't think I'm too worried about that. Uh, we also, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash I like to like things. So Kennedy, where can people find you on social media? Um, and I will include, of course, anything that you want in the show notes so people can uh, hear or listen to. Well, if you want to listen to examples of my sound work and all of these things that I've been talking about brought into fruition, I highly recommend visiting MagusElgar.com. Uh, to listen to Magus Elgar, which is available wherever audiobooks are sold and wherever pods are cast. You can listen to the whole first <laughs> season completely free. But if you want to support us, we also have a store for various types of paraphernalia and t-shirts <laughs> and the like of really wonderful content and beautiful visuals to pair off with those quirky audio uh, episodes. <laughs> uh, you could also find some of my work at uh, the SojournAudioDrama.com, which is a sci-fi where I am the entire sound team uh, that is currently in production right now and is available as a audiobook, as book one. Uh, it's a full audio cast and the like. You can also see um, my animation work that I've done sound design for with Hell of a Boss, Has Been Hotel. Uh, Hell of a Boss is currently uh, mid-season and we are releasing one episode about, about one episode a month. Um, which you can see completely for free on YouTube and feel free to support them because they've got uh, a store of all sorts of fantastic artwork uh, and is starring uh, wonderful talents like Broadway actors, uh, Brandon Rogers and Richard Horvitz, who, if you're not familiar with, played the voice of Invader Zim in Invader Zim all the way <laughs> back from. Uh, if you want to find me on, if you want to find me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Magus Serling. 
uh, similar to uh, Rod Serling, based off of the Twilight Zone and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, you can also find me on Facebook as Kennedy Phillips if you want to, but I'm much more active on Twitter. There I post uh, thing, little fun factoids about audio design. I will sound design cartoons every now and again and showcase them and talk about interesting sounds I find every once in a while. <laughs> I'd love to hear from you if you happen to find me. That's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean you found your passion and you, you turned it into a into your gig. I like that is the American dream right there. That is the absolute dream. Kenny, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your wisdom and your passion. I just I really appreciate it. I had a blast. Thank you so much. I'm really glad you enjoyed. Thank you very much for having me. So I will see you all next week when the mission is accomplished. And remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. 